Welcome to Road to Billions Podcast, the mentality of an entrepreneur. With your host, Moise Bertrand. Hey, everybody. It is your host, Moise Bertrand of Road to Billions Podcast. Today, we're having someone very intelligent. You know, we met a few times. Well, matter of fact, only once. But um, the conversation was really good at the same time. You know, she's very intelligent. She's a very independent woman. And she's doing her thing on her own. And today, I want to introduce Ray Lambeth, you guys, um, to the show. Yes. You're so sweet, Mo. Thank you for having me. Um, I think it's really crazy how, like you said, we did meet and we were talking about the podcast. And less than a month later, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Here my- we are. But yeah, um, you know, we met at AGP, so mm-hmm. that was a very brief conversation, but just let people know who you are as a person, what you do, where you come from, your story, because, you know, we're very much interested in that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Ray, but my government name is Taj Ray. I just go by Ray. Um, born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona. I know everybody's probably like, what are you doing in Atlanta? It really wasn't even the plan, you know? Um, with that said, I am a Christ follower. I believe in Jesus, um, and I believe in being obedient and just going wherever he sends me. So um, found my way uh, to, in like the finance industry, basically. I uh, went to the University of Arizona, studied business management, and I was really involved in like diversity, inclusion, like that type of background. Um, but I just knew that wasn't, it's a passion, but it's not what I'm called to do. So I've always had these issues when it comes to like finances and really realized that that was my calling. So um, took this opportunity in Arizona to work with this company, kind of like an independent contractor, and join on as a financial rep, basically kind of being in training to be a financial advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, tried to build my clientele out there, and things didn't work out as I wanted them to. So basically kept praying. I stepped away from that, basically, and God presented this opportunity. So now I am a so- associate financial rep basically assistant to a financial advisor out here and it's on a team of black advisors so kind of living a life right now just really yeah really pro-black really just in the the market that i want to be in kind of helping my people so yeah definitely that sounds good so tell us um you know some people may not have a story like you so just let us know like the struggles you went through possibly and the struggles you went through in the in the background and then even the past about just yeah. like how you came up to who you are today like what shaped you and what events actually made you put yourself in this mindset? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would actually say, and I'm sure anybody, like I've, I've listened to a few of their podcasts as well. So I know like there's some people on there that have similar stories, right? Like I didn't have, I wasn't a person that was like spoon fed or, you know, it, it wasn't a, I got it out the mud type situation, but it, it was, I got it out the mud type situation. Like we were living in the suburbs, but we were also living on section eight in the suburbs, you know, like, We had a housing waiver. So, like, that was my upbringing. Um, And it just took a drastic toll on me. Like, I've been working since I was 14, since I was a freshman in high school. And I remember, you know, the seniors were like, that's not a real job because you work at a skating rink. But that was a real job. I was putting in hours and I was getting paid, you know, like, (laughs) and I was getting paid some money, too. Like, so that type of upbringing, just constantly having to worry about bills. Like, like I said, when I was in high school, I was helping my mom pay the phone bill, you know, like I'm getting paid every day under the table at the skating rink. And I'm helping my mom pay the phone bill, putting extra money on the light bill, like things like that. Yeah. So I think that has definitely shifted or created this type of grind in me. That's like, 
I've already seen what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck or just have no little to no income. Right. I'm trying to see what it's like to get some bands, you know, like yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to see what that type of lifestyle is like. Well, I think that has definitely shaped me. And then my mom and grandma, that's who raised me. I didn't really have a father figure in the household. So having them, they were just grinders. Like my mom used to stay out all night. She was a breadwinner of the household. Um, she's a hairstylist. So she was like constantly working. If she worked at like a great clips or actual salon, then she would go out and see her customers, like her, her real clientele in the evenings. She gone all day. My all grandma, right. on the other hand, that's just a different breed. She just came from a different time. Um, but she got it how she lived too. So just being around those two women has definitely instilled this work ethic in me that I'm like, I don't want to stop until I can see what the best is. And then, like I said, because I do believe in God too, I'm like, I know for sure if I'm pregnant, he has all kinds of things planned for me. So the sky is even the limit. Honestly, there is no limit. So I think I'm just excited to see what, what could be. And I'm willing to do the work too. So. Yeah. The work definitely is being put in though. And I told you that at AGPM. Yeah. Told you like, even for the few minutes we were talking about, you were just saying like, you've been through so much. And I was just like, you out here by yourself. He was like, I'm solo dolo. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, so you just doing it by yourself. And I respect that because you really don't see people do that, especially cross, you know, come across from Phoenix, Arizona, all the way here in Atlanta. So why would you say, for example, if someone asked you, what made you, if Atlanta wasn't the go-to spot, if Atlanta didn't offer you that job, what would you be doing now? Do you feel like you were being the same position? Where do you feel like, honestly, like, let us know, would you still be trying to work on things? Like, you know, we yeah. hear, you know, talk some numbers. That's crazy that you asked that too, though, because, and like you said, we, our conversation was so good at HEP. Um, we definitely revealed a lot in that initial conversation. It was kind of crazy, but instant con- connection with us. But I kind of, I kind of touched on this too. Like, like I said, Atlanta was not the place that I wanted to be. I've always wanted to be in Texas. So like when I was looking for jobs, I quit the job that I mentioned in like November, December. Mm-hmm. And was jobless basically till April, you know? So I had to move back home and that was a lot. Like, and I'm sure anybody that's like in their twenties knows like you think you got it going on and then moving back home will humble you quickly, (laughs) quickly. So moving back home, living with family, living with my siblings all over again, like it was a rude awakening, but, um, but definitely a moment to get grounded. And so when I was looking for jobs, I was like, I do want to stay in the financial industry because I know that's my calling. And I've prayed on it. I've talked to my therapist about it. Like, I know that's my calling and I'm passionate about it. I really care about it. So of course, all the jobs I was looking for were somewhere in the financial industry. Um, I was interviewing for a job in Houston, a few jobs in Dallas. I've never been to Houston before, but I was like, if I can get to Texas, it'll be easier to move around when I'm in the state of Texas, regardless of what city it's in, you know? So I was really sold on Texas and um, I was actually interviewing with this company I don't know if I can even say the name, so I'm not going to, but they was cool. The 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 interviewer was cool as hell. He was black. Um, and that was really my main thing too. I'm like, I really have this desire to work with a team of black people. Yeah. Being so straight up. Like transparency, you telling us the real thing. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I just wanted to work with a team. Like, okay, so when I before I quit the job in November, they were all the like white advisors were telling me, like, you can join this team or you can join that team. And I was straight up with them. I'm like, I don't want to work for a team of fire advisors. I'm going to be honest with y'all. And it's going to be tough too, because I'm like, y'all are great people, right? But y'all aren't serving the community that I want to serve. 
Mm. And if I get on your team, I'm not even going to be able to do, fulfill my purpose, you know? So I'm just going to be doing it for a bag, but it, it's not the calling though. Yeah. So that was really my focus. Like, and that was the intention. Like I got to work for it. If I'm going to do this again, I'm working for a team of black advisors or my supervisor needs to be black. You know, like it needs to be, I need to be working with my community. So, yeah, I think God definitely played it out like that intentionally though. Cause like I said, Atlanta wasn't on the market but he knew I was open to wherever he was going to call me to. So we're going to see what it's like during like the wintertime, though, because I hate cold winter. I hate cold winter. <laughs> oh, oh, you did this um, move out here. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. right. Yeah, I moved It's in hot Atlanta. Yeah. But I am not playing with this cold weather, though, because I heard it be. First of all, it rains way too much out here. Let me start there. <laughs> yeah, it does rain. It been, it's been raining a lot lately. This, this it's been hot. Like, I'm not doing this with these people, but. You know, it's pretty cool since I've been here, for real. Yeah, they playing with the weather and stuff. You know what's going on. No, for real. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's here or there, but we're not going to talk about that. Go crazy <laughs> here. But um, so how do you like Atlanta? I know you just talked about the weather, but overall, like the city, like for anybody who's not living in Atlanta, describe Atlanta to them because you see so many people travel here all the time. They vacate, yeah. but like tell people like, <laughs> you know, how's Atlanta? Like, how is it? How's the city like for young people? Yeah. Honestly, it's so refreshing. And I know not everybody can can say that, but this is coming from a black woman whose family is from Texas, you know, like, you know, in the, the South, but grew up in Arizona, where it's predominantly white people. The next biggest group of people is like the Latinx community. You know, you got like Spanish people everywhere. Yeah, it's yeah. not no niggas in Arizona. And if it's <laughs> if it is some niggas in Arizona, then you know, like so being from Arizona, going to school in Arizona, all throughout undergrad and high school, it's so refreshing to be around black people. Um, Atlanta is black and be black, black. And I love it. Yeah. Um, I'll say this too. <laughs> so like in Arizona, everybody says like, you know, it's a restaurant black owned. Like everybody puts emphasis on the black owned piece. Nobody puts emphasis on that, that out here because everything is black owned. And it's so nice. <laughs> 100%. I'm like, oh, damn, you know, Atlanta just black owned. They're like. Yeah, all these, all of these lounges. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's cool. Um, yeah, it's just refreshing. It's nice to see black people um, regularly. Like, I'm at a point now where if I go grocery shopping, I'd be looking sideways when I see a white person. Like, what you doing? <laughs> what <are> you doing? <laughs> but like, <laughs> but Atlanta does give a good balance. Or thus far, I've gotten a good balance of like. I'm not gonna say bougie Atlanta because it's really not bougie, but like you have like the well-off people, black people in Atlanta, and yeah. that's nice to see because it's inspiring, right? It's like, damn, y'all are all like on the road to being wealthy. That's that's dope. But then you also got the hood joints. Like I went to like a little hood little joint this weekend, and uh-huh. that was jumping. Like <laughs> that's where it really be at, and we want to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> people talking about going to bougie clubs, nah, that's where it's. Yeah. Really- like, I'm not even trying to be in a section, dog. Take me to the little joint that got the food trucks on the outside. Oh, and and typically, they usually smoke in there, too. But whatever. You know, yeah, like, yeah. that's how you know, like, it's it's just beautiful being around that many people, too. And like I said, like, I mean, the women in there, they was cool. You know, they're like, oh, my bad, girl. They bump into you. But it's, it's all good, though. Everybody's yeah. cool. Everybody's good. Come on. It's a good balance. It's nice to just be around my people and, you know, to be seen. They look at you and they say something to you, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, it was a culture shock for me when I moved up here because I'm from Miami. So, you know, we yeah. we around, like, you know, it's multicultural. I'm going to just say there's a bunch of everybody. So, 
I understand what Atlanta is going on. So I love it here already. So what's some advice you want to give to any women, you know, coming up, Black women specifically, um, in college or even going to college? Because everybody listens to this, even older women. Like, what are some advice, not only just women, but, you know, yeah. focus on the women right now. What's some advice you want to give for encouragement for them? Um, <clears throat> some advice I would give as far as, like, making a move or just, like... Like, anything in life, if they're going through something, like, what's some yeah. words of affirmation you could just let them know? I know exactly what you're saying. And you repeat this in my Instagram bio too. So I call myself a self-love enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and we've talked about this too, age, <laughs> but I am so pro like love in general. Like, I guess you could call me like a certified lover girl, but I love seeing people love on themselves wholeheartedly for real. Yeah. Um, and not just in a way, like I'm gonna take a bubble bath, you know, and that type of thing, like not that type of self-care, but like really love on themselves. Like, Hey, Maybe that looks like setting boundaries. Maybe that looks like removing some toxic people that you don't want to remove out of your life, but you know you need to. Yeah. Maybe that looks like going to the gym and being disciplined because that's where you that's the only place that you can like clear your mind. Maybe it looks like chilling in for the weekend. Or maybe that looks like going out with your girls because you need to be out and be and socialize. Like <clears throat> I'm so pro self-love. So that would be my advice to anybody. Like before you start trying to pour into anybody else. <laughs> pour into yourself wholeheartedly for real and take that serious. You know, like, um, I think it's important for us to reshape how love looks. And I think it's the, the best way to start with this is yourself, right? Like learning yourself, finding the hobbies, the things that you like to do, spending time with yourself and being comfortable in your own space and presence before you jump into anything with anybody else. But more importantly, then you learn how to love other people too. You know, like you can ask those questions, like, how do you want to be loved? Okay, well, this is how I like to be loved. Those conversations are so, I don't know, just refreshing and natural and organic. And they can be organic if you know yourself, though. You know, so that would be my advice. Like, love on yourself, men and women, you know, like, regardless of the gender, background, whatever, love on yourself. And I think from that, a lot of clarity comes around, you know, like, then you start to really start to assess, like, okay, well, these are my hobbies. These are the things I'm good at. You might even start finding your purpose through doing that. You know, like helping people brings me joy. Okay, in what way? Well, I really like the medical field. And when I get to help people in the nurse's office, like things like that, that makes me feel good. Okay, well, great. We might have just found something for you, sis. You know, like. Yeah, yeah. I think when people take the time to really just figure themselves out and love themselves, if you're pouring into yourself, it only starts to just pour onto the people around you, though. You know, like it overflows onto the people around you. Definitely. That would be my thing. My biggest piece of advice. What would be yours? Man, you just, you just took everything I could have thought of. (laughs) Like, you know, we, but we had similarities, you know, so it was always self-love for us. Like we, we had the same story. We was talking about just, you know, past events, but self-love is a big thing and confidence. You know, you got to believe in yourself before anybody else does, you know, you got to believe in it. You got to see it before it really manifests. And I thought, you know, um, that's for anything in life, you know, you got to put those two together, self-love and confidence and you're attracting everything you, you hope for. It's just, you just got to be patient. So that's my advice to anybody. But, um, you know, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you another question as well, since we're already on the topic of like black wealth and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I know you say you're very much pro, um, pro-black. So just let us know a little bit of the insight of when you're working at your firm. Like, what do you see, like the disparities? Like, do you see, of course, 
the white Americans there, like the wealth gaps. Like, tell us a little bit more about the financial insights. Like, you could just give us like a little clue of like, you know, the imbalance between both. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually crazy and disheartening um, seeing the differences. <clears throat> when I say the differences, I also have this background of like, because I used to work in an office full of white people, um, I got to sit in and with conversations with them, like those advisors and their clients, you know, and, and the conversations are drastically different, right? Like, for example, you might have, I might have a coworker who's working with a 25 year old white male who is inheriting money from his grandfather or something like that, you know? So he's calling the advisor on some like, Hey, my granddad just gave this money or, you know, I inherited this money. What should I do with it? Black people are not having those conversations because we don't have anything to pass down. Mm-hmm. And that's sad, right? Like I just had a conversation with a woman on Friday. She's a mother too, to an autistic child. And she was like, um, she said, like, I think I have like 250K in like life insurance right now. She said, but it's nothing. And I said, that is something. Like, I know you guys, I know it may not feel like it. I'm like, but you have more life insurance than a lot of black people. And that's really unfortunate. Like, I know life insurance seems like this in the community, in our community, life insurance feels like this heavy conversation to have with our family, but it's absolutely necessary. How, what's the quickest way to pass down some generational wealth? You pass away and you grant your family $250,000. Yeah, that's what these white people have been doing this whole time. Now, there's a lot of systems in place that are, you know, the reasons why our people were turned off to it because it used to be expensive for us. They said we couldn't even get it on us. Like, there's a lot of history behind that. But on a day-to-day basis, I hear Black people say, I feel anxious when it comes to money. I feel like I can't hold on to money. Um I feel like I got to do what I got to do to get the money, you know, like just all kinds of things. And you can tell it's like, it's deeper than just this surface level of you need to make more money. It's deeper than that though. Some people feel like they can't even hold on to it, you know, when they make the money. So I think those, that would be like, those would be like the biggest differences that just really break my heart. Like I had to not coddle her, but just remind her and let her know, like you're doing the best that you can and you having some life insurance at all is amazing. Because your child is going to be so happy that that they had something to have passed down from you. Um, now, of course, we're in the process of like, okay, we need to get you some more, that type of thing. But she needed that that verbal confirmation of like, no, you're doing good. Keep doing it. And little by little, we're going to keep getting there. And so those are the everyday conversations we have with clients. Like planning doesn't take place in, in our community, like financial planning it's typically black women that do most of the financial planning. And that's also unfortunate too, but that's a conversation for a later time, but it's a lot of black women that do that financial planning, but we all need to be on that way. You know, like, yeah, I know you, you, your expertise is real estate. We need people like us in these, in these spots to represent us. So we feel comfortable talking about these things. You know, I've yeah. been told multiple times, like I would never tell a white advisor this and they would just dump everything, you know, like, it feels embarrassing, but it shouldn't be. And so when we, when they see people like us sitting across from them, they feel a little comfortable. And that makes me feel good. So That representation. That representation. Man, it goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. It goes we, a definitely um, a kicker and stuff in a lot of conversations. But I have a question as well. Um, can't you, like, borrow against your insurance, like your life mm-hmm. insurance? 
Yeah, so <clears throat> there's different types of life insurance policies. And so the most popular one is called term life insurance. And that's like dirt cheap life insurance. Um, most people get it. You can like, it's kind of like, this is a perfect example. Since you do real estate and I do finances, this will be perfect for us. <clears throat> when we think of term life insurance, it's like renting a home, right? Right. You pay for it. Um, you don't have any like equity into this property, right? You're just renting it. Term life insurance, it expires typically at age 80. There's a few little ring-eating companies that will like extend it. But the thing is, term life insurance gets more expensive as you get older, right? Yep. The thing with that is that these insurance companies want people to outlive these policies so they don't have to pay out. And I'm sure you, you, every black person definitely knows somebody that they, somebody in their family passed away and their insurance policy did not pay out. And that's heartbreaking because it's like, I already just lost somebody. The last thing I want to deal with is, is insurance company not paying out. So yeah, that's term life insurance. It's a great option to start off with because like I said, it's dirt cheap, you know, with the company I'm with, Northwestern Mutual, you can get a $500,000 policy on yourself for like $14, $15, you know, it's cool. It's, it's a great option to start off with. The other option that you were speaking of is called permanent life insurance, whole life life insurance. Um, and that has this permanent type of thing where it doesn't expire. And so that kind of, in the analogy, it's like owning your home, right? When you own this, not only is it building equity in it, so you can kind of take a loan out on yourself, but the death benefit is growing. You're only paying the same amount. So your premium isn't increasing. Like there's so many different benefits to it. I know there's this thing around on social media now, like becoming your own bank. That is how people do that. So there's this book called What Would the Rockefellers Do? That's what that book is about. Like get you a life insurance policy, a permanent life insurance policy, pay into it over time. You're going to have like this accrual, uh, compounding interest, right? Happening in your savings account. <clears throat> Excuse me. And over time, like I said, it's not something that's like an, a quick little money thing. You know, you put it in and then you get some money out next year. But the thing is, like, we need safe money, though. You know, so like this is that option that we always get to clients. Like, if you're making enough money to pay into a permanent policy, because that's the thing, it's a lot, it's a lot more expensive than a term policy. But it's right. doable, you know? Now, the thing with certain companies, um, you can get a term policy and then convert over time to a permanent policy and kind of have both, basically. So then you can have a mixture. Say if we did do that 500000 a term, you can say, hey, a year later, let's do a review meeting. I want to convert 100000 into permanent. And then a year later, I want to convert 200000 Okay, so now you have a mixture of both. Mm. So you're paying both, but now you are building that equity in that permanent policy. Yeah. And then of course, as you get older, that money's tax free that you can access it. So people use it for their kids. You can get a policy on your kid. You know, we always go for the kitty policy. Give the kid, they give the policy on your kid. You can buy them whatever they want at 16 or send them to college, whatever. Like you can use it for whatever. I see a lot of business owners utilize it as well because 10 years down the road when they're really funding these things, they can access that money and invest into their business again. And it's money from themselves. It's like that's their money. You know? Yeah. So. That's definitely some good advice, man. You, you just dropped some gems. Drop some gems. Come on. Love. Talking about love. Talking about money. <laughs> All around. Like, All around. <laughs> it's definitely good. But, you know, um, 
you know, the podcast usually be like 30 minutes, so we're not trying to hold you too long. So just give, just give us um just give us an overview about like what do you want to tell the viewers and you know, anybody who wants to reach out to you, let us know your panhandle. Let us know yeah. how to reach out to you. Just just give us your closing statement and go ahead. <laughs> Closing statement. I don't know why this feels like a lot of pressure. Um, you know, if you're spiritual and you believe in Jesus, keep believing. I'm gonna say that. Um, and always go to him. <clears throat> That's one. Two, love on yourself before you start trying to love on anybody else. Um, and really take the time to really understand yourself. Three, don't be afraid to reach out to these like us, like young business people, business professionals. Um, that are really on the grind because we have a lot of knowledge and the people that are listening to this. I know y'all do as well. And y'all are seeking it. So like what we need to do is keep surrounding ourselves with like-minded individuals. <clears throat> so my Instagram is Ray Bando. That's the at sign R A A Y three underscores Bando B A N D O like the trap house. Correct. Message me, DM me, whatever. Like I'm down for any kind of conversation and I'm sure Moises as well. Like we're here to have these conversations and not only, from like mentors and people that have been in this business for years, but also people that are seeking this knowledge too. I'm an open book. So clearly I'm a chatty Kathy as well. So <laughs> I mean, we appreciate it though. That's what we love on this. You know, we got to talk about transparency. Yeah. No fakes on this podcast at all. <laughs> no, I get the opportunity. Mo. I really do. No, nah, it's all love, man, for sure. But um, now nah, I definitely appreciate you, Ray, for coming on the show. You know, for for everybody who's about to listen to this podcast, I know they'll give us some great feedback. And I know you have some people reach out to you. So once again, I appreciate you guys for listening to Roll the Business Podcast. It's been an amazing journey. And um, <laughs> we out. See you later. <laughs>